0: I'm Vicki Vincent, Director of Alumni Relations at Darlington School. Welcome to the Darlington Podcast. Today, we are joined by Beth Hackett-Pride, Darlington class of 1987, who recently published a book on a multimedia project called The Commonwealth of Kentucky. Beth was a day student from Rome, Georgia, and she currently resides in Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, Join us as we take a look inside and outside our classrooms and
1: connect with students, teachers, alumni, and more.
0: Thank you for joining us today, Beth. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Vicki. Nice to see you.
0: Nice to see you. So glad you nice could to hear, hear you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, I would love for our listeners to know a little bit about your Darlington experience. So let's go back to the beginning. Give us a little bit of information about how you ended up at Darlington and um, what kind of things you were involved in as a student.
1: All right. Great. Well, I came in seventh grade. Um, I remember wanting to come in sixth grade, but had to wait an extra year at St. Mary's. Um, my father and his family all went to Darlington. My grandfather had gone to Darlington. So I had a deep family tradition of the school. Um, but when I came in seventh grade all the way through 12th grade, um, I really always felt really fortunate to be there. Um, I knew it wasn't a a given that I'd be able to go. So I was um, really happy to to be a part of it. And middle school was a blast. Uh, I remember Mr. Van S playing stickball out in the the front yard there. I mean, gosh, the campus has changed so much. We had a little roundabout asphalt circle and he had nicknames for all of us and he made us all feel so special. And you know, my experience at Darlington was really special. And um, when I was in high school, I remember um, just just eating up the independence that was on campus there, really feeling like it was a collegiate campus, you know, something that was really different than anything I would have experienced at any other school in Rome. So I loved my time at Darlington.
0: Well, that sounds good. That sounds good. I hear that a lot about Jim Venice and about, um, I remember when my own children were in the middle school and um, he always said, uh, I will always remember you. You'll always have someone who comes back and knows your name. And um, that kind of makes him so legendary and such a special, special, special um, former teacher for us. So uh, those who are fortunate to have him and have that experience, um, we're truly blessed. So uh, what would you pull from your Darlington academic experience that um, has been most useful in your skill set for your life today, whether it's professionally or personally, or maybe both?
1: Well, for sure. I mean, I was an English major at Georgia and um, and was an English teacher for a long time. Um, so, you know, learning how to write, learning how to analyze literature, um, enjoying history and the humanities that all came as a result of my experience at Darlington. And uh, and I attribute um, critical thinking skills and problem solving skills to that curriculum that I enjoyed there. And the teachers were all, I mean, really great. Um I'd say the thing that I loved about Darlington that to this day, I believe, came from my experiences there was just a belief in in spreading your wings a little bit, kind of having the courage to dabble in a lot of different things in life. And, you know, I always just felt like the teachers there would let us kind of stretch a little bit. You know, it's not really true of most schools um, these days, particularly because there's so many you know, regulations and everybody's so careful that you don't really have the opportunity to um, take some risks uh, the way I felt like we were allowed to academically at Darlington. And so, you know, it was fun learning there. And I just, I, I still feel that way about learning. And this project that I've just done, I mean, I never thought I would do something like this. I never thought that I would get into marketing. I never thought that I would be a podcaster like you, you know, I never knew I would do any of those things. But I do have sort of this sense of courage, where I'm not afraid to try new things. I'm not afraid to learn new things. And I really think that the independent learning environment at Darlington had a big part of that. I love that. I love that.
0: Um, Tell me one moment that might have been a favorite classroom experience um, while you were at Darlington.
1: Well, um, I mean, there's so many. And, you know, a lot of times people will ask, you know, who's your favorite teacher and that kind of thing. And I have a lot of classroom moments that I remember. Um, We all laugh about some of them when we get together. (laughs) But one that I feel is pivotal. and, And when I became a teacher, I looked back on this moment a lot. I mean, I would say that this that there were teachers at Darlington who made me want to be teachers. And Mr. Awesome was one of those. And so my junior year, AP Humanities, um, I'll never forget the first day, the first day walking into that classroom. And it was one of those, I don't know if the classroom's still there, but it was a tiered classroom where, you know, it is you, still it, there.
0: It, yeah. It's named a honor now. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Well, I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. You know, to me, it was progressive to be able to sit in a theater like environment. I felt like, well, I felt like I was at a university, you know, <laughs> when I was a junior in high school and, um, and he, we came in and he turned off the lights and he, he turned on, a song. And it was, and just for the record, I mean, I cannot believe I remember the name of the song. It did not happen quickly. I had to really think about it. I went through this whole process of, you know, was it carousel? It was something that went over. And then I, you know, like Googling other words for carousel and I found it and it's roundabout by yes. And I don't know if you're familiar with that song, but it (laughs) has all these different melodic transitions in it. Um, which I had forgotten until I went back and listened to it again. I remember the beginning for sure, because it came on as this acoustic, you know, really sort of mysterious acoustic moment. And then it sort of goes into this organ and then it goes into these drums and it goes into all these different things. And while we were listening to it, our eyes were closed. And I remember him asking us, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? How do you imagine yourself in this sort of universe of the song and, and, you know, I want you to analyze the transitions and let's talk about um, if they work for you, if they don't work for you, what do you think? What Anyway, it was the beginning of learning how to deconstruct, learning how to analyze art and literature. And it was so multi-sensory, you know, and I had not had an experience quite like that, that I will never forget it. And I remember thinking to myself this is the way I learn best. And this is the way I'm going to teach one day. So anyway, that's a long story for a very, but it was a pretty powerful moment. Yeah. Well, George was a pretty
0: powerful teacher. Um, when I meet alumni, he's one of the, you know, top 10 uh, memorable teachers who truly um knew how to reach people where they were and get people to look at things from a different lens and, um, really impactful in so many people's lives. So I love that you have that memory and that story from his classroom and that you remember that when you became a teacher and and tried to model his behavior. So I love that. I love that. Um, our campus is beautiful as you know 500 acres and as you mentioned already that there's been some changes over the years from when you were here um tell me did you have a favorite spot on campus i know you were a day student but did you have a favorite spot on
1: campus i'd say you know for sure i mean you know a lot of people the first thing they say is the lake you know they all you know right. because it's so beautiful and it's such uh you know for me uh, to be honest for me the lake was uh, not my favorite place because Back in the day, we walked off demerits. Do you remember that? <laughs>
0: yes. yes. People talk about that too. Today's kids are like, well, that'd be great to get to walk. Today, they make them be silent and take away all of their... Uh, all of their devices, which is torture for them. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. No, much be- worse than having to walk around the lake. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's <laughs> a terrible fate. One to be avoided. Uh, and I mean, it's not like I had a lot of demerits or whatever. I just remember, you know, it, it just was anyway. My favorite place, <laughs> I had two that I remember very fondly. And throughout the course of my life, it's funny how your, your imagination goes back to places that felt really happy. And so I don't, you know, again, I I haven't really toured the campus in a while. I mean, unfortunately, I'm just, I'm never down there anymore, sadly. But the steps that were, um, you know, next to the breezeway that were right across from the school store, and I don't know if that's still the school store, um, you know, where we would go get the buttery donuts that they microwaved that were delicious. Um, Anyway, there were these steps. Are the steps still there? um, The steps are
0: still there, and it goes to what we call... um Zelly patio. So there's a patio area outside there, and it's still a a great hangout spot for. So I
1: remember that really vividly, hanging out in that breezeway, talking to my friends during free periods, studying. Can you tell that there's a theme in what I appreciate about (laughs) Darlington, and that is feeling independent, you know? And since I've, you know, I mean, I've taught in a variety of different schools, I've taught in public schools, private schools, my kids attended private and Catholic schools here in Lexington. And I'll tell you, you know just that freedom to feel like you are um, an adult learner in those pivotal developmental years are really important. So I felt that way and that, those steps were where I hung out and, and even free period when I wasn't socializing and I was studying and you know sunny, warm. but the other place that I remember um, and this came back later in my career too, was the chapel and it was the Wednesday talks in the chapel that were very, um, developmentally significant for me. Um, I remember, you know, we dressed up and I still appreciate that tradition. I know y'all got uniforms now, but back in the day, you know, Wednesday was chapel dress up day and we would go and there'd be a speaker of a variety of different topics. And, you know, My friends, if they listen to this, which, you know, they won't, but they'll laugh and be like, oh, yeah, whatever, Beth, (laughs) as if, you know. But the truth is I enjoyed listening to those speakers. I liked learning what they had to say. It was – I was often inspired, you know. And so later when I was a teacher at a private school in Columbia, South Carolina called Hammond School, um, there was – the head of school there was was very big into bringing people in to speak to the students. And I just think that's – so um, not all places do that and not all places um, are able to take that time. And I don't know if Darlington still does, but I remember the chapel being one of my favorite places and not necessarily because it was a place of of faith, but more because for me, it was a place of inspiration in a different kind of way. I mean, not that the faith wasn't important, but it was the learning there that I really appreciated
0: luckily we still do have chapel. It's on Thursday mornings now, but still that time for the whole community be to be together and still that time for the school to bring in some very impactful speakers. We had an impactful speaker um, today. Matter of fact, he was talking about um, um, a, uh, a service organization that works in Africa and it has opportunity for kids to come and build schools and help with um, clean water and that kind of thing. So they're, we're constantly still challenging our students to think in that way and to open their minds to other opportunities and hear people with different viewpoints and chapel is such a great time to do that. And for the whole community to be together and hear those messages together. So I love that that was inspirational for you and impactful. So, and we hope of course that today's students will say the same thing in 20 years. So. Some
1: will and some won't, you know, you're going to have your, you're going to, I mean, you know, there, at the same time, I mean, I'm sure at the, at, you know, I was like, oh, it's time for chapel. But I remember getting in there and, and, and always learning something new. And it was something that was outside of Rome, Georgia. It was outside of my very specific worldview. So I don't think, I mean, it's, it's hard to beat that type of environment for expanding the youth, you know, sort of heart and mind. So I, I'm a big fan of that. I'm glad y'all are still doing it.
0: Yeah, we are too. So, um, let me move on to your after Dawn. You mentioned you went to the University of Georgia, and you mentioned that you were an English major, and then you did some teaching. Um, I believe that's where you met your husband, right? Was at UGA?
1: Yeah, I mean, sort of at UGA. So, you know, we were both students at UGA, did not know each other, and then summer between my junior and senior year, um, I had. You know, I mean, everybody knows Georgia can be a little bit socially aggressive, especially at first. And so I definitely enjoyed myself. Uh, but in my sophomore year, I started getting pretty serious about academics. And so I had the GPA to be able to get into a program called, uh, it's the, it's the, UGA study abroad at Oxford. And so at the time we were just in the second year of that program, which is really expanded. They actually have their own building there now. So we were at Jesus college, which was just a small college. And, um, and we just were friends, you know, we just met there. He was a history major. I was an English major, the, the long lost majors that no one has (laughs) anymore. I mean, little side note, we were on campus just a couple of weekends ago for parents weekend. It was actually the reunion weekend that I missed, which I was sad to miss. Um, But we walked by the... uh the Franklin Arts College of you know liberal arts and and sciences or whatever. And not a single person (laughs) was at the tailgate. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, it's like a dead major. No one made everybody's marketing and econ and whatever. But um but I loved my time at Oxford. And I of course met Dan and and then we've been together ever since. And we got married young, I mean, especially by today's standards. I went straight to graduate school. Finished up about a semester early and just, you know, wasn't ready. I mean Obviously I wasn't gonna what was I gonna do? So um, I went straight to graduate school and got my master's in secondary English education, uh, moved to Nashville, taught some public school there, moved to Columbia, South Carolina, taught some private school there, coached girls' soccer, another thing I got from Darlington. There honestly would not have gotten my first job if it hadn't have been for playing soccer at Darlington because I did not play in college. And I told him I'd coach. And it was the only way I got my first teaching job. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> So, um, you know, and I loved all that. I loved it. And then we ended up moving to Lexington, Kentucky, because my husband wanted to pursue the thoroughbred racing industry. And obviously, this is the Wall Street of that industry. And we needed to be here to really make it happen. And so I took a little time off. I always intended to go back to teaching Um, But when the time came, there was uh, an opening at the Lexington School as the admission marketing financial aid director. And um, I had a friend who worked there who kind of introduced me to the job. And um, I really wanted my kids to go to that school because it reminded me of Darlington and um, and really the own. I mean, it, it. just seemed like a pretty cool thing. So rather than teaching, I went into administration and I worked at that job for 18 years. And then just this past May of 2021, um, I finally hung it up and it was just time, you know, it was like, I just was ready to pursue 100% creativity. And I'm lucky enough to be able to, I've got a very supportive husband who um, is a great cheerleader of mine. And, and so we decided to take a little time and let me see, you know, what I, how I could kind of, um, stretch in that direction. And, and then, you know, my friend Kelly Brewer, um, who is an artist, incredible impressionist, Kentucky artist. She approached me, I had promoted her a little bit, um, I really kind of went full into marketing there at the end of my time at Lexington School. I was doing all their marketing communications. I was consulting, kind of rolled out my own little business called Beth Inc. Consulting business. I've worked with a number of small, poor schools, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't afford the big marketing firms, and you know West Virginia and rural Ohio, and had a blast doing that. And then uh, Lexington Schools sort of my major client for a long time. And then I also promoted Kelly uh, back in 2017. I got her business started for her. You know, she was always painting. She's been a professional painter for 25 years. She's internationally acclaimed, but she is an artist and she needed somebody to help her get um, organized. And yeah. so I'm good at that. And, um, and so, you know, do you want me to keep going or you want to stop? I and- oh, no, I love that. I, I, my,
0: you know, I would just have, how this project came about and how mm-hmm. um, she approached you and, the personal connections that y'all had that led you to this, this project and then how it kind of, you know, unfolded.
1: Okay. Um, So I've been in Lexington since 1999 and um, my husband has worked in the horse business. He has um, a great job working for a, a, a horse farm here. That's Dubai based ownership. And it's been quite an amazing run. We've had, you know, Derby, you know, contenders. We've got, I live on a commercial breeding farm here where, um, you know, we've got Derby winners, just a hundred yards that way um, here. And, um, and it's, it's a, it's a pretty special place to be Uh, that has nothing to do with Kelly, but it gives you a little bit of a setting, um, you know, I never thought we'd be here as long as we've been here, but um, along the way, I've made some really great friends, some really special friends, and Kelly Brewer is one of them. And we met through our children, as a lot of people do. Uh, but she's been a, a commercial, uh, not a commercial. She is a professional impressionist Kentucky artist. She paints a lot of cows and dogs and sporting art, horses, um, you know, barns, beautiful landscapes. And um, anyway, if people are interested, they should follow her at Kelly Brewer Fine Art on Instagram and Facebook. And she she's very exquisitely talented. So we were friends. And in 2017, I approached her and I said, I want to help you. And we do you want to grow your business? And so we um, kind of created a, a scenario a relationship a business relationship on top of our friendship where we you know went to see we and we did some shows and I got all of her social and her website and everything up and going and um, and we we had an exhibit you know solo exhibit and and it was very successful and then after a couple of years my head of school at Lexington School came back um, right before COVID hit and said I really need you to come back full time, and I said I'm not going to come back full time, but I'll come back almost full time. And so I really had to leave Kelly for a bit. 2021, uh, she knew I was retiring from Lexington School, and she said, "Beth, I've had this idea, and it's just I-, I can't get rid of it. It is, it is all I think about day in and day night." And so what happened to Kelly was her mom in 2020 died of cancer, and they were very close. And her mom was a very special person. She was a very charitable person, but not, not just with her pocketbook. You know what I mean? Like she was one, she would go, she was a teacher. She too was a teacher for 20 something years and she would go to the hope center, which is the homeless shelter here. And she would, she would teach men um, and help them get their GEDs. There's no telling how many men she, she helped get their GEDs. So she was just a really special person. So upon her death, they set up a foundation in her honor, the Joby Robertson charitable foundation and, but then COVID, And um, and Kelly just struggled. She was grieving. She had a knee replacement surgery. Her dad got remarried kind of fast Yeah. (laughs) and she was having a pity party. And she just said and then uh, on the on the first the one year anniversary of her mom's death, um, her dad gave her her mother's journal that he did not think she could handle the year before. And she opened it. And the first thing she saw, uh, her mom had written in it, what are you doing with your privilege? And Kelly said, it just slapped me across the face. She said, aside from being a wife and a mother, my greatest privilege is being able to work as an artist. Because, you know, there are a lot of artists who are extremely talented, who don't get the privilege to work as an artist. They have to do something to keep the lights on. You know what I mean? Right. And so she's very aware of that gift that she um, receives. And so she said, I'm sick of feeling sorry for myself. And I want to do something that's going to give back through my art. I want to do something impactful and I want to paint people. And she said, I have not It'll be a way for me to challenge myself. It's my mom who's up there just saying, Kelly, you need to do something different and something more and, and, um, and, and be courageous. And I just, I just, she's, she said, I just want to paint people. I want to show what my mom always taught me. And that's that we're all connected. We're all alike. You know, we're born in different places. We're going different places and we get there different ways. But at our core, we're all humans and we're all connected and none of us are perfect. And we, you know, but we all have this connection. I want to show that. I'm going to show that through painting people. And so I just immediately said, I love it. I love it. And it I think we should call it the common wealth of Kentucky. And, you know, the whole point is that the the wealth of the state is based in the people of the state, not in who wins the lottery. Right. The wealth of the state is is in the story of the state is the people's story. The people are the ones who create the story of Kentucky. They are the story. And so I think we should do that. I think we should paint portraits and I'll just write a little narrative and we'll have an exhibit and we can sell the portraits and we'll give it all to your mom's charity. That was the original idea. Well, we sat, we started and we sat down with these people. And at first it was just right at home. You know, we hadn't traveled yet or anything like that. And I I said, Kelly, these stories are incredible. We have got to record these. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But now I'm starting to think maybe it, you know, a part, their voice needs to be a part of the exhibit. And maybe we need to just maybe we need to do a book, you know, because if we sell all the portraits, then it's gone. It's we're it's the it's over, you know. I mean they're all in different people's houses. And so she was not sure about the book. I had to talk her into the book. (laughs) She's a very vulnerable And the book is beautiful, by the way. It is just a a lot of work. Thank you. Um, so that's what we did. So it expanded. We ended up, you know, she was just painting at first people she knew. And then I said, all right, let's get strategic about this. Okay, Let, let's tell the Kentucky story through the wealth of Kentucky. And that means we need to hit the road. And so we went all over the state and we ended up painting 70 Kentuckians of all walks of life, different wow. industries, different socioeconomic Uh, you know, socio-political backgrounds. I mean, it's not a political book, but there are politicians in it um, of all different, you know, beliefs. Um, And it was just absolutely incredible. I mean, we were so inspired. I've never learned so much in my life. I mean, I can tell you about grass, grass fed cattle and I can tell you how a coal mine works and I can tell you how bourbon's distilled and I can tell you about, you know, 21C hotels and how they, you know, came to be founded and, you know, uh, land conservation and land development. And, you know, so it's all I did for about a year and a half of my life. Um, I blogged, I made videos, I wanted to tell the story, I wanted to get a following so that people would understand the kind of the multi-layered experience of the Commonwealth of Kentucky project. Um, and, and it ended up working, you know, it all came together. And we had an exhibit in August that was about six weeks long at a gallery downtown Lexington. We, we published a book. In the book, you have beautiful oil painting portraits of these people as they were in that moment when they sat for Kelly while she painted them from life, while I interviewed them. And recorded them. And in the book, you have an 850-word narrative that I pulled from a two-hour interview. And you have a two-minute sound bite in the book that is linked through a QR code. And so it's a multi-sensory experience, <laughs> like what I got in George Awesome's humanities class. That's right. And it's pretty powerful. I mean, i am not I you know, not to pat myself on the back, it's not. Me, I just put it together. There are much better writers in the world and much smarter people in the world. But, you know, I really wanted or do feel like the voice with the image and the narrative coming together is a unique experience for the reader. Yeah.
0: And it's really I, I've I've not read the whole book and read every story, but the ones that I have very powerful and just so well done. And you really get a um, a feeling for that wealth you speak of that's not necessarily, you know, dollars and cents. So I loved it. I loved it. Do you have an idea of what your next project might be?
1: Uh, You know, I'm going to have to, you know, find that Darlington Courage again, because I really (laughs) have a book. Another book is the book I was supposed to write last year when Kelly asked me to do this project. And it's a fiction novel and it's outlined and it's ready to start. And I'm just scared to death of it. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it takes a lot of courage to back yourself into that deadline. That's crucial. I found with this book, it, you know, and I've I workshopped this for students. That was the other thing that was really neat. We had hundreds of people come through our exhibit and we ended up workshopping it for about six schools who came through and then we went into their schools and uh, just side note, how cool is this? There are co- schools in Lexington that are doing the Commonwealth of Winburn and the Commonwealth of uh, LTMS and the Commonwealth of Cassidy who have taken our project that's and they're, cool. I know I just loved it I about dad when they told me they were doing that. And so, um, so when I was, when we were workshopping for the students, one of the things I said is if you're going to write a book, there's two things. Number one, you have to have a deadline and you got to back into it and you just got to make it happen. And number two, don't edit while you write, just write and then edit. And both of those I'm scared to death of. And so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to start. I just don't know exactly when. (laughs)
0: Oh, well, you, you keep us posted on that because I can't wait to read it. So I I want to thank you so much for joining us and for connecting um, with us in the Darlington community and, um, and sharing the book with us. It's now in the Macaulay Kennedy Library. So uh, hopefully this will lead people there. And hopefully, uh, for those who can't stop by the Darlington Library, they can find your book through the links we'll have um, online here. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for this um, opportunity to share your story with our community. Thank you. We're glad that you tuned into the episode of the Darlington podcast. Tune in each week, wherever you like to listen to podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. You can check out today's show notes at www.darlingtonschool.org podcast. If you have any questions about today's program or ideas about future episodes, please send an email to communications at DarlingtonSchool.org. The Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, is a collaboration between the communication, advancement, and IT teams, and the intro music is alumni produced. See show notes and hear more episodes at www.DarlingtonSchool.org slash podcast.